glad everybody could be with us this morning. Uh, I like doing this when I go to places and I got to stay there, you know, because I say, well, I can stay in my hotel all day or go shopping. I don't like to do that. And, you know, just I'm here, you're here, so I'm here for the teaching, so let's just do some teaching. So I, I kind of like doing this. Uh, I presented this to church uh, a month ago when I was in West Virginia, and they, they, you know, it's new for them, but they loved it, and so uh, I like just kind of getting together. And so what we're going to do for the next three mornings, each one's going to be different. So if you can't come to one, that's okay. You're, we're not doing a series here, but I like to just pick a, a page out of the life of Jesus, and and just look at some things and talk about him. You know, John chapter 8, where we read about the uh, woman in adultery coming to Jesus. Um, it says in verse 2, it says, And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach. And, and I've always thought, that's just a great way to start the day, isn't it? Early in the morning. And now, what's, what, what's an interesting contrast is, this woman who's going to be brought to him, she started a day in sin. And she made the wrong choice. So oftentimes how you start the day helps you how your day ends. And so I kind of like doing this. Just get together and just talk about Jesus. I've got some things I want to share with you. Got a question, you can ask. Now Sean's got his time, he can cut back to me now from yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to do you like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be not. He's not going to be mean like me. He's going to be not. But he can ask me the hard question, and that'd be good. And so, so we'll kind of look at that there. So we're going to begin in Matthew 20. And today what we're going to do is look at one of the parables of Jesus. And talk about that. And so... Uh, We'll talk about the background here in just a moment, and then there's a great, great lesson here that is one of my favorites that I'm going to share with you. So uh, as we get there, let's let's start today with a prayer, and then we'll get started. Holy Father, we're thankful for this morning. We realize that today's a gift, and for that we're thankful, Father. We're thankful for our health, we're thankful for our minds, and we're thankful that we can come together as friends and study your word. And we're thankful that you lead us and guide us and are always with us. Bless us in this class, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, you know, one of the things you notice as, as you kind of, you know, sometimes when we study the Gospels, we, we get so focused on a particular story or passage, we kind of forget to get the big picture. And we remember that the ministry of Jesus was just three years. That's shorter than high school. And one of the things we take away from the big picture here is that Jesus was always busy. You never find a passage where it says, and this day he did nothing. Okay? That never happens. He was always busy. He was always focused. And he always seemed to be determined. And that's in his teachings. That's in his preaching. That's in all the things he does. So Matthew 20 takes us to this parable. And... and I want to begin with this concept, is God fair? Now, on a good day when we're feeling well, we, we just don't really ask that question. But we ask that question when we come home from the cemetery, is God fair? There's been something happened and you wonder about that. Sometimes our friends will ask us, you know, there, there's been a tragedy in their family and is God really fair? Now typically, would say yes. 
You know, he, he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He told his disciples, go preach the gospel to every single person. So in that way, we say, yes, God is fair. And that's a true statement. But when we go to Matthew 20, there's a sign here in which God is not fair. And when we get done, I think you're going to say, I'm glad he's not fair. Okay? So, Matthew 20 is a parable. And our common definition of a parable is what? Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's it. That's what everybody said. Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We write that down and we say, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but that's a definition we always get. Okay? Now, the word parable means literally to lay beside something else. And so the idea is, here's a story. And I get this story. So I'm going to lay right beside it a spiritual story. And when I look at this story, I can figure out this story. Okay? So really what a parable is, is a comparison. And we compare things all the time. I and mean, when we go car shopping or different things, uh, in our house, my wife does all the grocery shopping at she didn't, we just have chocolate that's all that I buy. <laughs> so, so we were having some folks over this, this uh, summer, and she said, go to the grocery store and get a watermelon, even you can get a watermelon. I said, okay, good, I'll go get a watermelon. So there was this big cardboard box full of watermelon. Had my cart, picked it up, put it in there, started walking away, and saw all these ladies doing things. <laughs> all right. the, the thing I do not want to do is go home and say, you got the wrong one. You know, so I started paying attention to him. This one lady was knocking, so I knocked no answer. <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to say. Like I don't know. Uh, and another lady turned it over, and she looked right at me when she said this. She said, "You want a yellow belly?" I don't know. She's not much melon than me. I don't know how this is going. You know. And then another lady was smelling it, and I thought, I don't know where this thing's been. So, but but what we were doing is we were comparing. Okay? You do that all the time. Now, the problem with Matthew 20 and a lot of the parables is if this is the earthly story, and then I'm going to put a spiritual truth beside it, if I don't understand this, I can't understand this. And sometimes because of culture and different things, we have a hard time getting the story. So Matthew 20 is one of those things. So let's read it. Now we're going to begin with verse 1. Let me just read down to verse 16. That's the story. And then what we've got to do is got to kind of raise the hood on this thing, go back and talk about the story so we know the story. Then we'll try to see what Jesus lays beside this. Okay? Matthew 20, verse 1. I use the New American Standard, but most of them are all good. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the landowners for a dinnerous for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he says, You two go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. And he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You two go into the vineyard. Verse 8, and when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. And when those who had hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a dinnerous. 
And when those who were hired first came, they thought they would receive more, and they also each received a dinnerus. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who borne the burden of the the burden and the scorching heat of the day. He answered, said to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did I not agree with did you not agree with me for a dinnerus? Take what is yours and go your way, but I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own, or is your eye envious because I'm generous? The, thus the last shall be first, and the first last. Now, first thing, what this is not talking about, okay? <clears throat> this is not talking about deathbed repentance, okay? And this is usually how this works, okay? Somebody is, let's say a, a woman is, is a Christian, her husband's not, Every gospel meeting, honey, won't you come, won't you come? No, I don't want to come. I'm not interested, not interested. One day he goes to the doctor and he has stage 4 cancer. He's not going to live. Shows up on a Wednesday night. He goes forward. He's baptized. About a month later he dies. And everyone rejoices because he made it at the 11th hour. Okay? That's what we say. But in the story here, nobody dies. Nobody dies. So this is not about deathbed repentance. Okay? Now that may be something else we find somewhere else in our Bible, but not here. Okay, so so we need to appreciate that that's what that what this is not talking about here. Now there, there's three things in the story we have to understand. One of the first things you notice is there's a specific time reference that's very important in the story. Verse one talks about early in the morning. Then verse three is the third hour. Verse five is the sixth hour. The ninth hour. Then verse six, or verse five, rather. Then verse six is the eleventh hour. Matthew's wanting us to really understand this time reference. That's a, that's a key to the story here. Now, we think about the time this was written. Okay, Jewish time was different than our time. Okay, now how did how did they count time? Sunday. Yeah, yeah. We'd say we'd basically say from six to six. Okay, so, <clears throat> so verse 1 is likely taking place at 6 in the morning, okay, the start of the day. A working day would be till 6 in the evening, okay. They didn't have lights like we do, so once it got dark, the day was over. Okay, 6 to 6, 12-hour working day. That's a typical concept in biblical times, okay. And so verse 1, the landowner goes out 6 o'clock in the morning, okay. We're going to work all day, I need my laborers, okay. So when you get to verse 3, the third hour would be 9 o'clock. Verse 5, the sixth hour? Noon. Then the ninth hour? 3 o'clock. Then we get to verse 6, the eleventh hour? 5 o'clock. One hour left in the working day. Okay? And that's, that's kind of important to see that. Now the second ingredient in this that's important to see is the type of laborers. Okay? And so, uh, in, in your community here, you have migrant workers. That's kind of what this would be like. Uh, if you'd ask this guy, what's your job? I don't really have a job. I, I hope they pick me today. And today I may pick grapes. Tomorrow, tomorrow I may haul manure. I mean, I just, just wherever they need me, okay? That, that's where I'm going to work. And if no one picks you, you don't make any money, your family doesn't eat. Now, I know you all have a basketball team here, okay? I know we got a basketball man there, okay? So, you're going to play, Sean plays basketball. You're going, to, you're going to 
have a pickup game of basketball. You get the two best to be the captains. Everybody's lined up. Who do you pick next? It's not going to be your best. Your best friend may not be able to dribble. You know, I mean, you're my friend, but you know what? You can't play ball. You're going to pick somebody who, who's the best. So, so we got all these people lined up. Six in the morning. The master comes in there. We need workers. Who is he going to pick? The best. He doesn't want a guy to say, um, "When's coffee break? Coffee break? What time?" You know, or, or he doesn't want somebody to say, "I got a splinter. Can I go home?" No, I don't want you. I want somebody who's going to work. 12 hours, the best, okay? And then he comes back, and who's left? Well, the best has been taken, so now I'm going to take the best of the best. What's, the, what's left? I'm going to go back, and who's left? Finally, the 11th hour guy, that'd probably be me, okay? Why haven't you been picked? Well, nobody wants me. <laughs> nobody picked me. And finally, he goes, okay? Now, the third component here we need to talk about. And that is, there seems to be a sense of urgency here. Okay, we're going early in the morning. Now we're coming back three hours. We got more work than we have workers. We got to come right back. We got to get more workers. We still don't have enough. We got to get. There seems to be an urgency here. And why is that? Why is that? Harvest time. Harvest time. Harvest time was also rainy season. Okay. So if you got a bunch of grapes and they're really ripe. And all of a sudden you have a hard rain. There goes the grapes. There goes the grapes. So there's a sense of urgency. We got to get these grapes in because because it's harvest time, and we can't say, well, we'll come back next week. Uh, next week's too late. We've got to we've got to get at this and get this done right now. Now, what's interesting is in verse one. Uh, no, excuse me, verse two. The men who were picked first. They had an understanding, they had an agreement. He says, he says there in verse 2, that he agreed with the laborers for a dinnerist for the day. That's a common wage. So they knew what they were going to make. Okay? I mean, look at verse 4, the people who were hired after that. It says, he said to them, you two go to the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. Wouldn't you like to work for a company like that? <laughs> How much do I make? Well, I'll give you whatever thing is right. I'd like to know this. I don't know how big of a how much am I making? I don't know. But what they probably knew was what? It was going to be fair. It's going to be fair. But what else? I knew the or maximum time. It's less than a Daenerys. It's going to be less than a Daenerys. Because the first guy is going to work all day long for a Daenerys, so I'm not working all day long. I may be working nine hours or six hours. I'm probably going to get less than a Daenerys. That was a common understanding, okay? And that's that's kind of where that goes. Now, up to about verse 7, common story. I think there have been people in the audience could even raise their hand, had purple fingers, fingers and say, I did that yesterday, you know. Everybody understood that story. But almost every parable Jesus tells us gets to a point where it turns. And it does things that they don't normally do. And the reason for that is the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of men. God doesn't think the way we think. So three things happen here that would not normally happen in the first century world. The first thing takes place <clears throat> is in verse 8. When the evening had come, <clears throat> excuse me, the landowner 
of the vineyard called his foreman and says, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last group to the first. Now, why would you not do that? That's, that's out of order. Now, let's think about this. We've been picking grapes, picking grapes for 12 hours. We've got baskets and baskets and baskets of grapes. What are we going to do with these grapes? Sell them. What was commonly used in the first century? Oh, wine. 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 Okay. How do you get a picked grape in a basket to wine? Wine press. Wine press. Or stop them. Right? <laughs> so, we've got all these baskets of grapes because we've been picking them for 12 hours sitting around here. So, if, if I'm the owner of this vineyard, who do I want tomorrow morning to come work for me? The best. So I'm going to pay the first guys first, okay? I want to look at their feet. Oh, you got this suit. I would definitely need you tomorrow. You got big size shoes, you know? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay the first guys, go home, get a good supper. I'll probably need you tomorrow. But he didn't do that. He paid the last guys. Now, Jesus does this on purpose because he wants us to, he's, a, he's driving a lesson here. He wants us to see. He wanted the first guys to see what the last guys got paid. Okay, and 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 so that's 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 first thing that would not be done is pay the last guys. Second thing that would not be done also comes from this verse, verse eight, and that is you would not pay them, or verse nine rather, you would not pay them a dinnerus. So here's a guy he's worked one hour. Now you, you think about the guy who worked at five o'clock. That's when he was hired. The eleventh hour is five o'clock. That's the best time. Okay, early in the morning you got to do with wet grass, and then you're working through noon. It's hot. If you had to pick one hour to work, five in the evening, ground's dry, sun's going down, best time, and he gets a whole day's wage. So standing right behind him would be the guy who worked three hours. What's he thinking? Do the math. That's three days' wages. Maybe I don't have to show up tomorrow. The next guy. He works six hours. That's a whole week. The next guy, nine. The next guy, the first guy, worked 12 hours. That's like two weeks' wages. Maybe I can get out of this hole I'm in and give me a real job and don't have to show up every day. I mean, they're doing the math. Now, why would you not do that in the first century world? Why would you not do that? Economics, for one That's it. Why do you grow grapes? Not because you like purple? <laughs> you grow grapes to make money. That's it. And so you just, you, there goes your profits. You're, you're paying a guy a full day's wage and only worked one hour. That does not make economic sense. And then secondly, think about the next day when all the masters come back early in the morning. Don't want to be there. Here's Mitch. I say, Mitch, it's 6 in the morning. I want to pick, pick some grapes. No, Roger, I ain't working for you. There's a guy down the road. I'll have to work one hour. I get a flight. <laughs> you see? He just killed the workforce, didn't he? You would not do that. Okay? Now, the third thing. The third thing you would not do, and this, this is found down here in... Uh, verse 13. Is that the master would not explain himself to the servant. The servant was just a shovel. 
You're just a means to get these grapes off the vines. I don't really care about you. I don't care what happens to you. This is before government rules. This is for OSHA. If you drop dead, I'm going to roll you over and go get somebody else to fill your place. I really don't care. You're, you're just a means to get my grapes off the vine. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what your family is. I don't care. You're just picking grapes. But notice what it says. First of all, he explains himself. Masters didn't explain themselves to sir. I don't owe you an explanation. He explained himself, and then he uses the term friend. Masters were not friends of servants. And so, again, he's, he's using a term of endearment here. You're more than just a laborer to me. You're more than just hired hand. You are someone that I care about. Okay? And so that would never be done. Now, it's taken us 20 minutes, and that's just the story. Okay? <laughs> See why you have to do this? We haven't, we haven't even laid the spiritual side beside it yet. But that's just the story, what happened there. Now, any thoughts, questions before we go onward here? Don't be back. So if you got anything you want to say, go ahead. Sean, you good? No, I just appreciate how Jesus always includes radical things in his teachings that I can imagine him teaching this. And the audience, as he continues the story, it's just like shaking their head, shaking their head. Like, what, what in the world is this? What, what a rap! What kind of dumb landowner are you talking yeah. about? Who would do that? Yeah, like, you, you know, Nathan did the same thing to David. Remember, he's telling the story as it progresses. Yeah, David's emotions start. Sure, it, it, it's, yeah. the, it's the same thing as the prodigal son. Yes, as, as Jesus tells that story, they're thinking, "I got this figured out." The hero of the story is the older brother. That's who we're supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus grabs him. It says, you're so unlike your father. And that's what he does with this class. He, he, he's just kind of getting them in here and said, oh, what kind of master is this? Now, uh, any, th any other thoughts? Okay, let's, let's, let's look at down, down here how the story is. And I want you to see how interesting this is. Verse 16, Matthew 20, verse 16. Thus the last shall be first and the first last. Close our Bibles. Okay, that's what this is about. <laughs> now notice go back to chapter 19 and look at the very last verse of chapter 19 and, and, and this is where we miss this because of the chapter numbers because remember the chapter numbers were put in by man not God mm -hmm. Okay, the end of chapter 19 <laughs> says many who are first will be last the last first our story and tells that again so it's like here's the principle now here's what this looks like Here's the principle again. This is an important principle. The first will be last. The last will be first. And you and I say, great. What does that mean? So let's go back up in chapter 19 now. Let's go, kind of go upward here. Chapter 19. And start bringing some things out of here. We go to verse 16 of chapter 19. And we see this encounter with uh, rich and ruler, we call him. And behold, one day he came to him and said, teacher... Now, I don't know if you ever noticed or not, but the most common expression in the Gospels for Jesus is teacher. They called him teacher more than they called him Jesus. Teacher, because that's what he was. He said to him, teacher, what good thing shall I do that may attain eternal life? He said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, some versions will say in verse 16, good teacher. Okay? So he goes up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to, to inherit eternal life? Now, two things I want you to notice there. First of all, that's the best question to ask. 
He didn't say, Jesus, you know, how can I make a million quick? I need some money. He didn't ask him that. Jesus, um, my neighbor's dog's barking all night long. What can I do? Didn't ask him that, did he? The most important question, eternal life. Secondly, he asked the right person. He asked Jesus. He didn't ask his mom. He didn't ask his friends. He didn't Google it. I'm going to go to the source. Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, when Jesus replies here in uh, Matthew 19 and says, there is only one who is good. What does he mean by that? Who's the one who is good? God. 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 Now, put this verse and the verse before together. Good teacher. Why do you call me good? There's only one who's good. God. What's he saying? You acknowledge me as God. You understand. Do you realize you're talking to God? Okay. That would change the conversation, wouldn't it? (laughs) Okay. He didn't say, don't ever call me God. Don't ever call me good. He didn't say, only God's good and I'm not. No. There's one who is good. Do you recognize this? I mean, mean, right there in the conversation, all of a sudden, you're more than teacher. You're God. You're speaking to God. You're speaking to God. I mean, that ought to just stop us, you know? Like, what else matters? I'm talking to God, okay? And so, going on here, Jesus tells him to keep the commandments, and he said to him, which ones? You know, one, one thing that uh, reading, of course, it was God's avenue. You talked yesterday, uh, Sean, about words. And, you know, one of the beauty of words is words have definite meaning. Words can be memorized and they can be translated. But what we miss out of words sometimes is the emotion and the body language. Okay? I mean, you, you, you can read it and think, okay. Now, now I see in my, in my thinking here, I see this guy being kind of smart aleck. Okay? Now, that's how he comes across to me. He's young. He's coming to Jesus. He's kind of cocky. Now, I think what he's thinking is he's going to take a gold star out, put it on my forehead, and say, oh, you're, you're, you're doing great. And so, verse 18, which one? I mean, that's just kind of, which commandments? It's kind of cocky. And so what Jesus does is he goes through the Ten Commandments, mostly the negative ones, not commit murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness. Then he says, 19, honor your father and mother, and uh, uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Young man says, all these things I've kept. Why am I mocking? Come on, give me my gold star. Come on, come on. Tell me I'm a good boy. Tell me I'm heaven bound. And then Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions, give it to the poor, and you shall treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Now, we've got to talk about this verse. Every time this verse comes up, it's running through our minds. Do I have to do the same thing? Do I have to sell everything I own? And how would you answer that? He just told me to. I would. <laughs> and he told me personally. <laughs> he told this guy. Yep. So, why did that guy have to and I don't have to? What he knew Jesus. He knows what the guy's problem is. Okay. What's holding him back. Now, if I have the same problem, that's what I need to do. If I got the same problem, yeah. that's the thing. Uh, is that you're talking to God, but you actually have another God in your life. And your God is your stuff. And your stuff has made you who you are. 
And because of that, your stuff is going to keep you from me. And if that be the case, yeah, yeah, you should sell it. I mean, uh, you know, if you can't get through life without some of this stuff, you know, you don't see that you all fall in a uh, purse going down the cemetery. You don't see that. And so, so that's that's the thing. And so, 22, when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieved for he owned much property. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and they said, Who can be saved? And looking upon them, Jesus says, With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Right there he's talking about the need for Jesus and grace. You cannot be good enough. You cannot buy your way in heaven. It's not going to happen. Now verse 27, Peter. He's my first cousin. But we, we, we have the same characteristics. We talk too much. <laughs> we open mouth and a foot too many times. So Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will it be for us? Now, notice the contrast. Okay, Here's a rich young ruler. You need to sell everything. He goes away. We have. We did. Now, was that a true statement? Peter made? Yep. Okay. When did that happen? When they abandoned their profession. Yeah, remember when they were washing and mending their nets? And Jesus said, put down your net, become fishers of men, of men, and then for the next three years they're going to follow Jesus. So that was true. We did leave everything. So you was going to give all this stuff to this guy, and he couldn't do it. We did it. What did we get? That's what Peter's thinking, okay? So let's read on. And so he says to him in verse 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, you who follow me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you will, uh, shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. I think he's telling them that this is the role you're going to have as apostles. You're, you're in a place of position and authority. Remember in Matthew 16, when he talked about uh, establishing the church, the keys of the kingdom. Okay, whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you loose shall be loose. Okay? So, so there's a sense of authority with him. Verse 29, everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my sake shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. First or last, last or first, our story, then chapter 20, verse 16, first, last, last, first. Yep. Now, Start putting this all together now. Okay. Who's the first? Who's the last? Who's the first? Now, the illustration is that story. The master went out there and hired these guys all day long. They knew what they were going to get, and they worked all day long. Who was that? The apostles. That's it exactly. Okay. Peter says. We left everything. What did we get? Well, you're going to be in a place of authority, but understand, the first are last, the last are first. Now, after those 12-hour workers, somebody's hired at 9 a.m. Who would that be? Timothy? Titus? Paul? Yep. After them came some others. After them came some others. I sometimes wonder if you and I are the last workers. Mm -hmm. 11th hour. Now, let's go back to Matthew 20. Let's start putting this together. Okay? <clears throat> Matthew 20. And, okay? So, 
verse 10 once again. Those who were hired first, if that's the apostles, okay, they thought they would receive more, but they also received a dinnerus. Same thing as the 11th hour, 9th hour, 6th hour, 3 hour people, okay? And when they received it, they all grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them, get this, equal to us. Now, there's going to be another thought I'm going to bring to you, but, but I don't, have you ever thought about this? You think about what you have done as a Christian. Okay? Raised your families, worshipped your Lord, tried to let your light shine. But you put that next to the Apostle Paul. Okay. I've had people get up and walk out when I preached. But I never had anybody pick up a rock and throw it at my head. I've never been chased out of town but people were trying to kill me. So I stand next to Pastor Paul. I say, I, I don't need to stand here. I do not deserve this. Why have you done? You made us equal to them. When this world's over, you're going to get the same thing the apostles get. Okay? Now, when I live in Kansas City, Mitch lived there. That's where I first met Mitch. Kansas City Royals at that time were terrible. Terrible. The joke of the town was when the police pulled you over, they gave you tickets to the game. <laughs> okay? I mean, they couldn't fill the stadium. They could not fill the stadium. And so, so one of the things they would do um, to get families to go, if your kid had perfect attendance or almost perfect attendance, they gave you tickets to the game. So my youngest son had perfect attendance one time, so we went to the game. We were sitting second row from the top. Second row from the top. We ordered everything but beer. His mama wasn't with us. So we ordered nachos, hot dog, cotton candy. We just ate like, we just ate like kings, you know. And, and, and I say, Joe, look down there. I think those are baseball players. I mean, we're so high. Now, I sometimes think that's how we view heaven. I'm going to be there. And if I squint, I think that's Timothy way down. No. He made a sequel. He made a sequel. Now that's just kind of humbling right there, isn't it? Because you think what we have done, we have done nothing compared to what those first workers did. Those first workers went through the most. He went through the early morning, it was so cool, the heat of the day. Now, I come to Phoenix this week. It's already established church here with eldership, with a preacher. You're all rocking and rolling. Got Bibles in our hands. How easy it is to do this. Go to Corinth, and there's not a Christian there. Go to Ephesus, Philippi, all those places Paul went. He couldn't say, now, we're going to have, we're going to have a gospel meeting starting Sunday morning. Why don't you all come? <laughs> what is the gospel? What's Jesus? You see how hard it was for them? But what's he saying here? I'm going to make you equal with them. Right there is where I get the statement, God's not fair. And I'm glad he's not fair. <laughs> if he was fair, he'd say, Roger, you can pick up Trice now in the parking lot because that's about what you've done. <laughs> and to say, I'm going to be equal to the apostles. Now, let's go on here. Okay, in Matthew 20. Because there's another thought here, which is, okay. So, verse 14, verse 15. Now, as in most stories, the master is God. So the master says in verse 14, Take what is yours, go your way. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? <coughs> the answer is yes. You are God. You can do what I want. 
Now, he says, or is your eye envious because I am generous. What's this passage about? The generosity of God. That's what this is about. Now, there's a couple other thoughts here we got, we got, to, we got to look at before we end this because uh, these are also important for us to see. And one of the first things that we need to see as we think about this is that everyone who was paid worked. There was no one that the masters came by and said, here, I'm just going to give you all some money. Okay? That didn't happen. Now, another thing, when they were called, they went. So the 11th hour man, why are you not working? No one called us. I'm calling you. I'm going to go to work. Okay? So each generation has a work to do. And as brethren, we've got to be about that work today. Okay? Our work is not the work of the apostles. Our work may not be compared to the apostles. But none of us should be idle. Okay? The Lord's going to pay us and pay us more than we deserve. But he's calling us to raise our families, let our light shine, do what we're supposed to do in this generation. And that's kind of that's kind of what we see from this. So what Matthew 20 is all about really is the generosity of God. Now, when you get that lesson, it just makes you kind of bite your tongue and quit complaining. Do we have to go on Wednesday night? That's not really in the Bible. Why are you even asking that question? When, when you realize how God's going to treat you, you know? Do I have to do all that? Are you serious? Do you realize how God, what's God going to do for you? So just kind of hush. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what this tells me. We just need to kind of hush sometimes. Sometimes we get on the complaining this. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And look how God is going to treat you. And when this is all over, there you're going to be with them. That's just amazing to me. I mean, imagine being in the same room with Paul, Daniel, and Ezekiel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they still be sitting together, you know? <laughs> That's how they are. <laughs> and there you are with them, you know? And, and you think, what am I doing here? When I first moved to Kansas City, I think it was even before you were there. It was before you were there. Um, one of our elders was a millionaire, multi-millionaire. And one of our deacons was Freddie Potak, who's uh, played for the Royals for years and years. He's, he's in the Royals Hall of Fame. And like the second week I was there, the two of them took me out golfing. And amazing golf course. We were in a clubhouse having dinner, and I had one of those moments that hit me. And I thought, here I am, sitting in this country club that I could not afford on my own, with a multimillionaire and a famous <laughs> baseball player. And guess who's the third wheel? You know. <laughs> I just kind of got real quiet. I kind of felt like, you know, I just, I just don't belong here. And I remember Brother Harmon saying to me, he was a multimillionaire. He said, you are here because we invited you. Now, I sometimes think that's going to be heaven. Because I think we're going to say, where's that, where's that tree of life? I need to stand behind it and kind of hide. Because they're going to take roll call and say, what are you doing here? But God's going to say, I invited you here. I invited you here. I want you to be here. And I think the Lord is, is saying this at this time. Because it wasn't going to be but a few more pages we turn in Matthew. And he's going to go to the cross. And then he's going up to heaven. These apostles are going to be given in charge of this stuff. But I don't want you apostles thinking that you're little Jesus on earth. Don't be thinking that you're, you know, you got the big head and you've got to open the double doors and get your head through that. Don't be thinking big thoughts. You have an important role. But all those disciples after you are going to be equal to you. Get your place. Okay? Now, 
there's a trickle-down lesson for us on that too, especially for us preachers. Uh, I, I tell young preachers, we do a lot of training for young preachers, every church building I've ever been to has double doors. Little country building, big old church building, new church buildings. I said, do you know why they have double doors? Is it for the crowd? No. To get the preacher's head through it on Sunday morning. Because he starts hearing that, man, great sermon. I've never heard a sermon. Best sermon of my life. No head. I say, we need that double door open to get that head. Don't be thinking big thoughts. Because when it's all said and done, all of us in this congregation are equal. Okay? You may have some in this congregation doing more than others doing. That's okay. That's okay. You find out what you can do, then do it. And that's, that's kind of the thoughts. Well, that's everything I know. So, any questions or thoughts? Well, I noticed another thing. You know, the payment was a denarius for the day's labor. But here, the whole issue was around eternal life. Yeah. And that's the payment. It is. It is. It's eternal life. And that's why I wanted to see. The other thing I saw was if you go back to where the, you started with in chapter 19, these were all people who were going to give up something. They were going to sacrifice something. Yeah. And so the work isn't just a just a minor effort. You're not just kind of putting in the time and yeah. not really doing anything. This is going to be a sacrificial kind of work. Pick, pick, you know, picking grapes back in that time, that's hard work. Yeah. It was hard work. That's the illustration he uses. And what we do today is hard. It's hard. But we can do it because he says so. I, I found it interesting in verse 6 when it says, the master asked, why are you standing here idle all day? Because no one's hired us. They were not trying to game the system. No. Uh, they just hadn't had the opportunity yet, but That's when it. they got it, they, they went. It. They went. And saw you even hear some of that. I've heard my family that, well, I'm going to do all these things I want to do, and then when I get old and decrepit and can't do anything else, you, you can't game the system of God. No. Right. And old and decrepit sometimes doesn't happen. <coughs> right. Sometimes no, you're young and decrepit. <laughs> you're going to get after it, you got the opportunity. Right. I think we, I'll come back to you in a minute. It's interesting that, okay, so. Two of these men, James and John, we're still going to have another episode of them seeking status. Or, yes. And then we're going to even see after Jesus' resurrection, Peter asking about John. Yes. And, and what's interesting here is it really matters that we learn this lesson about status and humility. It does. And it's one, it's a difficult lesson. I mean, how many times does Jesus teach it over and over? How many, yeah, I mean, at least two separate times they were fussing about who's the greatest. And, and, and if you stand back and, and just put yourself in there, you can see the argument. Peter's saying, well, you know what? I was one of the first ones to call. When you, when you read the New Testament and the list of apostles, whose name is always first? Mine. I'm Peter. That's me. And who got to go when the synagogue's little girl was raised? It was me. Who got to see the transfer? I, I got to be the greatest. And you're like, sit down. <laughs> one of my kids one time... Uh, I was out driving about, one of my kid, one of my sons called, my youngest son Joe called me, and I said, hello? He said, this is your favorite child. I said, no, it's not. He's sitting in the car beside me. What, so what, what do you want? <laughs> Get to it. But that's, that is true. That's true. And, and you know, there's, there's reasons why the elders and preachers' names on the signs and stationery and stuff like that. But sometimes, and, and this is especially true of women, okay, in, in God's kingdom. You don't get to preach, and you don't get, you know, and sometimes you feel like, I'm second class. I don't really count. You do count. And when you read what the New Testament says, it was the women who financed Jesus. Yes. And you read Romans 16, majority of those names that Paul's thinking are women. Yes. 
So, you know, you know, because you don't get to stand up here behind the pulpit doesn't mean you, you're not counting. You do count. You just do a different work. And we're going to see that. Now. <coughs> Another thing that I've always gotten out of this story, the ones who were hired at the first hour knew all day they had the assurance that they were going to get paid and get to feed their family. But the, but the last ones didn't have that assurance. They didn't have that good feeling. And I, I kind of equate this to the Christian life. You know, maybe um, you wait till the last hour and you still got the same pay, but you don't have that good feeling of having lived the Christian life all of your That's life, like That's the thought. ones of us sure. who have done that all decades of our lives. And it's and it's just a wonderful feeling. I mean, I, I did a funeral for somebody a while back who was in their 90s. They became a Christian when they were 13 years old. And I thought, just think how many sermons this person heard. How many times this person took the Lord's Supper? How many hymns this person sung in their life? It's wonderful. It is. It is. And and just it's just a thought. That's that's very important. There. We have that assurance all of our lives. And it's because I'm 91 and I've been a Christian all my life. There you go. And that's awesome. It's, it's that that's what I get out of this mostly. That just the wonderful <coughs> feeling. I'm not having to worry about it. You know what's happening. You know what's going to happen. Uh, That's a great thing. Any other thoughts? Yes. When we preach and teach Romans 6.23, the gift of God is. Yes. And we don't in our mind or we don't in our teaching often stretch that all the way to the remote aspects of what Adam got if he repented, what Enoch got, Right. What Abraham got, what Melchizedek got, yeah. bring it all the way through. Yeah. There is only one wage. Yes. Regardless of what century you were called in, yeah. what job God gave you to do, whatever it might be, there is only one wage. And that wage Unfortunately, that's eternal life. And, and that and that wage is better than any of us deserve. Anything that you can, can I mean, even comprehend. I mean, I, I, I've been to some very special places in my life. Um, I got to go to the White House one time years ago. And, uh, you know, when you do, I don't even know if they do them anymore, but you used to do a tour of the White House. You kind of go through room by room. And there's secret servicemen in each room, and they kind of tell you about the room and everything. And and I was already done with one room, so I went to another room. It's just me and the secret service guy. We were people in that room. I said, you got a gun? <laughs> the biggest gun I ever saw in my life, you know, on that and, and, and I had one of those thoughts. And I said, you know what? I said, right above us, second floor. That's the epicenter of this country. I said, how about you and I go up to the second floor? And the guy didn't even crack a smile. I mean, I knew I could. I'd start getting a little joke out of him. He said, sir, I've never been to the second floor. <laughs> but you know, heaven's not going to be like that. It's not going to be, can you imagine God just up the room above us? From Revelation 22, verse 4 says, we will see his face. That's amazing. No, we are. We are. Okay, well that's that's what we're doing this week. So tomorrow we're gonna grab another one, and then Wednesday another one. And I hope, hope this is kind of helpful for you. I just kind of like doing this little interaction, little simple thing. But you know what? What you do is when you go back to the Gospels like this. There's that first lesson, and say, "Got it." And then you go back and say, "Oh, there's another layer." And you go back again. And, and you go back for like 40 years and you're saying, this onion has a million layers. 
And you keep, and every time you go back, there's something else. I didn't see that last time. And you just keep going back and keep learning and learning and learning, <coughs> and your faith just grows and grows and grows. So let's end with a prayer. Our Holy Father, we're thankful for the few moments we've had together. Thankful for this wonderful congregation, Father, and these great people. Pray we all be safe this day, Father, and as we gather this evening, we pray we can honor you as you so deserve. Thank you so much, Father, for being so generous to us. Thank you for being so patient with us. Thank you for your grace. Continue to bless us, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.